If I was a woman, I'd like to be called a fun-time hot girl. I think I am a fun-time hot boy. Yep. <laughs> That's what they say about me. Yep. After which this. one's Ben? You know, the fun-time hot boy. Oh, yeah, that guy, yeah. yeah. Not the nerdy-sounding other guy. I'm going to talk like this now, from now on. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Arnithology, the completely unauthorised, unofficial, unadulterated Arnold Schwarzenegger podcast. I'm Ben Hyten. And I'm Alex Balerdi. And if you listened to our previous episodes, you'll know that it's the very exciting time where we watched Cactus Jack, a 1979 movie yeah. directed by Hal Needham. Uh, this stars Kirk Douglas, Anne-Margaret, who is not Dolly Parton, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And there's uh, <laughs> Not Dolly Parton, yeah. There's a, there's a bunch of other people that come in and out of it, but uh, we'll talk about those as we go through. Now, I'm going to give you a chance in a minute, Alex, to tell Ooh. us what the plot of the movie is. <laughs> okay. Um, but I'm gonna I'll do give my you, best. I'll yeah, my I'm, I'm going to give you my interpretation of it, Okay. It is the heartwarming and wacky uh, story of Cactus Jack, who's a pretty rubbish outlaw, bandit, criminal in the Wild West, who really, really wants to rape Anne-Margaret and will kill Arnold Schwarzenegger to do that. Charming Jones, played by um, Anne-Margaret's cleavage, uh, really, really <laughs> wants to have sex with Handsome Stranger, played yeah. by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Um, and he just wants to chop wood for a fire. <laughs> so he is escorting her across the country for pretty unclear reasons, something to do with an inheritance or some money or something. Um, and along the way, he ignores her advances and Kirk Douglas just keeps trying to stop them and kill him and have her. Yep, that's uh, that's pretty much it. Are you? Is is that all you want to say? Shall I go? I think I've been yeah. more fair on the plot than than I should have been, to be honest. But yeah, you go. Well, go you've it. described accurately some of the events. Mm-hmm. When you know, there's no assessment being done yet, so you know. Um. So yeah, I'd say pretty much thing. I laughed because I had the exact same thought, like. Anne Margaret's cleavage is probably the most interesting thing about this film. It, it uh, made it it made it watchable. Yeah. It was a character in itself, and they they made a thing of it. They were not hiding that. I'll get onto that in a minute. It is insane. The the film, it knows it's a parody. It's not pretending not to be a parody. And again, I've got a ton of reasons, little notes about little moments like that, which actually make the film okay. Makes it makes it watchable, right? Okay. Um, it's I mean, ju- it's, not, barely, it's not barely. it's not a straight western by any yeah. So no way, it's, no way. It's setting out to be a wacky comedy. Yeah, never marketed as that. No, yeah. uh, I can't. I don't have much to add to the plot that you've you've outlined. That's that's what it is. Kirk Douglas is a villainous um, uh, bandit who is taking his cues from uh, one of the sort of uh, stories or comics of the age that are going around about Jesse James and all the other outlaws that he is using that as his guide for how to rob, steal, pillage um, the good people of the Wild West. Well, it's and, it's actually yeah. one of the one of the only gags in the film that works is he's such a crap bandit that he reads these dime novels yeah. for pointers on how to rob a bank and all of that. And actually, that's a good gag. The film does nothing with it, but it's not, not enough, a bad gag. Not enough with it. You don't know what he's reading. There's no reference to it. It's a... I, I you know, again, without going too much into assessment this this far, the, the plot is thin. It's hard to describe the plot. It's just Kirk Douglas, about, you know, six or seven set pieces trying to stop a wagon wily e. coyote style 
I said it. He said the magic words. I said it. I uh, I was trying to avoid saying it. I couldn't. Um, it took me a while to go. I was like, really? Is this? I was like, this is really like Wiley Coyote style. And then a boulder. <laughs> he uses a boulder to try and stop them in their tracks. Well, uh, I think that it, it kind of comes to a head <laughs> at the point where they started doing this gag. And I thought, no, they're not going to do that gag. They can't. They surely cannot do yeah, that gag. Yeah, there you go, yeah. Where yeah. he's painting I a know, tunnel I onto know. a rock. And I thought, well, if this was a Wiley Coyote character, then the Roadrunner would run through that tunnel. Yeah. And then Wiley Coyote would try, and it would be a rock again. And that is exactly what happened. Yeah. So, in But there's terms no Roadrunner. Of, yeah, in terms of plot, there's no more plot than you get in a Wiley Coyote. And it was that at that moment, at that bridge... No, not bridge, tunnel, sorry, tunnel moment, yeah. when I was I was thinking to myself, if they do this the way that I think they're going to do this, then it reaffirms my belief that very rarely in films can you make wacky cartoon comedy work in live action. Ju- just do a cartoon. And having said that, the poster that went out for it's the UK and cartoon. Australia release is a cartoon. Yeah. It's a cartoon poster. Um, I'd say with the exception of something like Scott Pilgrim or something like that. Well, or we'll, some kind of drug-induced we'll, film we'll come, or whatever. Come, you know? We'll come to a film that I think actually does it very well in a bit. Yeah, um, yeah the, they even go to the extent of having um, every single moment, not even moments of action really, other than people are on screen moving. That is the action. Um <laughs> Having really wacky sound effects all the way through, like and and all of that sort of stuff. I have to say this now, then, now that we're on sound effects. It's something that, okay, I won't say it for the time when you ask me what my favorite line is, but it's my favorite sound thing that happened, right? And that is throughout the film, as as we've explained, you've got Cactus Jack, Kirk Douglas, or the villain, trying to pursue them and, and rob them. And but the whole time, them being on Schwarzenegger and Anne Margaret, handsome stranger, and what's her name? Charming Jones. Charming Jones. Yeah. Um, riding on a wagon. The whole time they're riding on a wagon with with a couple horses, and no matter what speed they're going at or the tension of the thing, they sort of introduce them coming down the track or whatever part of the trail yeah. that they're on. They introduce them coming audibly yeah. by. Clearly, an American going, yeah, yeah. It's not oh, right. Arnie. <laughs> it's definitely not Arnie, right? I actually didn't notice that. <laughs> no, and I noticed that every time it was clearly dubbed in the same way that Hercules in New York was dubbed. That's great. That, and and maybe even there was no sound, but it's clearly like, oh yeah, it's really well done, classic Western. Yeah, until the end of the movie when it's already gone so completely bonkers, and they're running away from Indians. I'll say it. Because that's what they're saying in the film. Yeah. Native Indians. Americans. Yeah. yeah. Indians. Except they're not. They're just white dudes. They are white face. dudes. It's quite mad. And they make no attempt to make it PC in any way. It's totally racist. Yeah. Um, that aside, um, they're being chased by these Native American characters. And they just completely gave up on <laughs> on these Western sort of yeah, yeah sounds. Mm. And you've got Arnie shouting at these horses in German. Oh, that saying, was, yeah, yeah, that was yeah. quite funny. Yeah. He's saying, schnell, schnell. And he's yeah, just yeah. shouting at them in German. It's probably my it's my favourite bit. Because what they're doing is they're saying, we know we cast a big Austrian lug here as our, you know, we know that we've done that. We're not going to pretend. And they make they make a comment to it. Uh, they take the hat off to it, I guess. Um, uh, when Arnie first arrives in town and he goes to pick up a telegram and the guy tells him he has a funny accent and the guy telling him he has a funny accent is stuttering and and he makes a gag and says well you can talk absolute oh it's like setting up the total recall gag in a way explain that you got a lot of nerve showing your face around here look who's talking oh yeah the guy (laughs) guy with the face does he actually have like a butt in his face or something no it's like one of those prawn sweets isn't it do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah it's exactly what it's like. <laughs> um, the the stuttering guy, by the way, is an actor called Mel Tillis. Yeah, uh, who 
who does all of the songs in the movie because all the characters have their own little theme song. Charmin. Yeah. Um, so he's he's singing those. They even sort of gave up on that about halfway through the movie, though. Yeah. Well, not that they gave up on it. it it's that they, they put it in deliberately, I think, to excess. And I think it's because the scenes were so dull. Yeah, when they're when they're riding on the on the yeah. little, I can't remember what you call that. It's not a a wagon as such, is it? It's just a it's like a, a box that you sit on. Kirk there Douglas is a name it for something. It. Yeah, there is yeah. something specific. Yeah, but the, the Arnie and uh, and Margaret are riding along on that, and they're having a really stilted conversation about how he doesn't talk very much. Yeah. it's a boring two shot. Um, it's a pretty boring, inconsequential scene. So. In between every line of dialogue, yeah, that's the. Scene. You have the guy singing, "Hey, it's Charming Jones," yeah. and uh, and Arnie just goes, "Yeah, I don't talk much." And then, "Hey, it's Handsome Stranger." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. So they get their theme tunes for the for the dead air instead of cutting a, around it. Yeah, yeah, it just creates a really yeah. awkward, horrible rhythm. That actually, I think it's either that scene or another one, which is one of my. It's my favorite scene in the movie, and was really quite endearing. And I'd never, I'd never seen anything with Anne Margaret before, but it was endearing to me toward Anne Margaret as an actress. And it's the kind of very, she does a very real, authentic sort of eye roll and disappointment at how much Arnie just does not get that she's interested in him. And it's the bit when he's talking about his uh, seven shooter, six yeah, shooter. Yeah. yeah. And how interesting it is. And how excited she is when he's like, do you want to see my gun? Yeah. And she gets excited and he actually pulls out his gun. And shoves it in her face and goes, bet yeah. you never seen one like this. <laughs> <laughs> totally normal looking yeah. gun. <laughs> but it's it's actually, that's it, exactly. And it's it's her disappointment that just, she does it really well. Okay. And at one point, at that moment, I was thinking, God, you know, Anne-Margaret, interacting wise and quality wise, she's the best thing about the movie. And then I realised... Kirk Douglas, with what he's got, he's giving it his all. Yeah, yeah. see... This and he's Kirk... just doing a Kirk Douglas performance, right? Well, here's the thing. I love Kirk Douglas. I mean, Good. he is Good. great. Yeah. Um, Spartacus, obviously, but he did a Stanley Kubrick movie uh, called um, The Paths of Glory. Paths of Glory. He is phenomenal in that. Mm. Um genuine movie star Kirk yeah, Douglas agreed. and in this he's in his I'd say mid to late 50s he's looking good yeah I mean he's in shape anyway yeah he's, he's in shape um, he's in good shape but I as soon as the film started I was like jeez I guess Kirk Douglas must have had a fallow period in his career because he made a bit of a comeback in the 80s and I looked at his IMDB page he was a decade and a half into a really bad period in his career like oh right a bunch of films I've never heard right. of that sound yeah. awful, and it it so it made me really sad actually. I kind of if I could take the film back, I would, so that my image of Kirk Douglas as a movie star over you know six decades would be untainted. Yeah, fine. Um, I, he does he does you know energy wise he goes full pelt into it. Also does a lot That's of his own stunts. That's all um, I meant. Yeah, but he's he's just mugging shamelessly. And, I mean, everyone. Sorry, in the film what do you is, mean? Mugging, um, just unsubtle comic expression, I guess. Yeah, but it's Kirk Douglas, and he's giving it his all. That was my. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, is that he knows he's in a comedy, and yeah. interestingly enough, I was like, I, I mean, really, really, just maybe it's too soon to get onto this. I'm just going to say it right now. It's a bad film. Yeah, yeah it is. It's not okay. In any way, it's, no, it's really it did bad. terribly, and they renamed it as though and tried to rebrand it for UK and, and Australian and ca- release. Cactus Jack is a better title than the villain. Agreed, agreed, <laughs> agreed. And I was looking at it, I was saying, I know what they're trying to do, and it's interesting that we're going to watch Scavenger Hunt after this because you you mentioned when I said, well, I'm not too sure, I'm looking forward to it, and you're saying it's got a great cast and yeah. it's of the Cannonball Cannonball Run ilk, and. I was like, yeah, okay, fine. I, I just, I had no idea, because I never look at directors, I had no idea, but um, just clicked on Hal Needham. Yeah. And Smoking he did the Cannibal Run. And yeah, and it, well, he did Smoking the Bandit, Cannibal with... Run, yeah. But what's interesting about his credits is 
he's got over a hundred movie credits as a stuntman wow. or stunt coordinator. Uh, and I think in this film, he's trying sense. to use that to do the live action Tex Avery thing. And he's got That's terrible. He's got Kirk Douglas, so you know bad. getting dragged along under the wagon and he's got him climbing up a rock face and so jumping what, off things. You think it's that. like a showreel? Like how his career, his years active, it says, in 1956 to 1996. Yeah. So it's mid-career. Yeah, right? yeah. But he was Did doing... he need to do it? Did he need to do like a showcase for his No, I'm not. No, no, no. I'm not saying it's a, it's a showreel. I'm excuse saying... Me, excuse me. It's, okay. it's a film that is built around these stunt set, stunt set pieces, right? That yeah, is that's, its, that's its yeah. raison d'etre. So it's Fine. obvious from the film when you watch it that story and character is not his concern. I, yeah. The, the the problem that comes with having Kirk Douglas doing all that over the top expression and and why I order, you know, every time he gets foiled and all of that is that it actually feels that Arnie and and Margaret's cleavage are yeah. not doing that. They're, I mean, they're not really, and they feel like they're in a completely different movie. Uh, exactly. I'd say so you couldn't I mean, put it better. A really boring movie, yeah, yeah. but a less obnoxious you, one. You at couldn't least. put it better. It's almost they they could have almost, say for a few scenes, shot you know for two weeks just with Kirk Douglas and his bits, and then cut them together with Anne Margaret and Arnie's bits. Very Which, rarely are they actually there together. Yeah, there's like you know, two two or three scenes. There's little interaction, and you're right. The quality is completely different. Let's let's talk a bit about Arnie, unless you've got other things, because I've got so much, mate. But... Yeah, I, but I just want to say, <laughs> I just mean in terms of an order. But I think it's, you know, we've been talking for a while and we've not really talked much about Arnie. Yeah, okay. I I <laughs> I, I still I don't know what to say about him because, in terms of the films we've watched so far, uh, I've I've mentioned that it's one of the things about Arnie's career especially in these early days, was that you've got this bodybuilder, meathead lug, which was the attitude of the press around him, moving into acting. How can he do this? You know, he'll never do this. Yeah. You know, you can totally forget how much of a joke any aspirations of moving into government are right now for this guy, right? I'm moved to ask acting ability of Arnie on, on a scale. In this, of, uh, yeah, of the films we've seen so far, like acting quality, not necessarily ability. Well, he doesn't have anything to do. I mean, his True. role is just to to look good in a tight shirt, you know, in his tight buns and all that. There's no character at all. Once no. he gets on the wagon with Anne Margaret, he has nothing to do. Yeah, he doesn't embarrass himself though. But yeah, as like... a as an example of his abilities yeah it's, um, it's there's, very bad. There's, there's nothing to draw on i think you've been very kind yeah but when you look at the enthusiasm for the performance that Anne margaret was giving and that kirk douglas was giving with what they had as well yeah, yeah they had very little to do as well he's really shown up and i know that his reason for being there is to be to look good in a in a shirt and to be Anne margaret's object of desire and that's that's very unashamedly just there. That's what the movie's about. Um, but also, for a man who is in the previous movie that we watched, was it Pumping Iron? That was the last one, right? Mm-hmm. Clearly libidinous, right? <laughs> like, he he is he is using bodybuilding and weightlifting as an analogy to explain how he feels like he's having orgasm all the time. Yeah? Yeah, uh, yeah. and he and, got his freak on in uh, Stay Hungry as well. True, true yeah he was in stay hungry he was yeah yeah he was like sort of like an open relationship kind of person and in performance wise i think that's the best performance we've seen to date yeah um but performance wise i think you're right he had nothing to do but i think it was a challenge for him because he was playing a character that really wasn't him diametrically opposed yeah exactly he would have been he would have been all up in Anne margaret no question yeah Um, (laughs) well i'm not going to speculate about whether he was or wasn't during the shoot but i reckon he gave her a go i don't know um just that's that's litigious that isn't it totally Um, man please please cut it please cut it i'm speculating allegedly um yeah but you know it's the thing is is that 
Um, have you seen any of the stills? I mean, stills from, like, not from the film, but from shooting. The, the, no, the promotional stuff. No. They look like they had a bunch of fun making this. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And and even the, the, the poster for it does not look like it's from the movie. It isn't from the movie, clearly. There is never a moment in the movie when you get Kirk Douglas and Margaret and Arnie smiling at the camera. You know, it doesn't yeah. happen. Uh, a side note, though. My one of the funniest moments of the film for me is when um, Kirk Douglas recruits um, the the Indian chief, Nervous Elk, Nervous Elk, who's been asked to who I really did not enjoy. By the way, he was horrible, one of the worst just horrible. Of the film, uh, every aspect. Forget the the racism. The performance was yeah. terrible. The guy, I'd, I've never seen him before, but flipping between this terrible um, impression of a Native American chief and some kind of camp girl, you know, yeah. like... My my note was, the, yeah. um, just when you thought it was deeply unfunny, uh, it's actually hugely racist as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> perfect. That's exactly how I felt. Anyway, that's a side note of my side note. Um Kirk Douglas is recruiting them who've been asked to follow him by the banker who asked Kirk Douglas to steal the money from Handsome Stranger and Charming Jones. He recruits them because he realises it's more than he's capable of and he tries to get get some help from them. And the chief recruits his own braves, they're referred to. There's a moment when he calls for them to mount their horses. It's mayhem. It's total chaos. They all try and mount their horses and they, they fall down. And there's a there's a, a part where one of the guys looks straight at the camera like, really? Is it time now to mount the horse? It's clearly an extra not knowing what, what to do. Um, it That for me, when you get that kind of thing happening in a film like this, just so obvious, it says to me, time constraint, budget constraint. They're not shooting it again. It says that they're under pressure to just... Just make yeah. it. It doesn't or matter. Just, just not paying attention to the details. Not particularly skilled at directing. Well, you said all it yourself, of that stuff, man. Like, how can I? I didn't want to interrupt you, but when you were talking about the uh, the set pieces a while ago and how it's centered around these um, stunt pieces that yeah. aren't even cinematically that great, They're actually. Not. You said things like story and plot are not his concern. Yeah. Like, he's making a feature film. They, know, they should be your number one concern. And I so, think that mm. probably has a lot... That has an impact on, let's drown this thing with wacky sound effects. Agreed. So that the audience think it's funny. Yeah. And it, the film that it reminded me of most, I don't know if you ever saw the last Police Academy movie, Mission to Moscow, where like hardly any of the principals came back. It was several years after the previous movie, there is so much ADR and sound effects added in post in that movie yeah. because, because... What's, uh, what's for, ADR for our listeners that don't know? Uh, it's automatic dialogue replacement. Okay. Uh, but it also, it just means that the, you see a lot in comedy movies now, um, a character off screen will throw in a funny line that the characters don't respond to because... They've done it in post, basically. The yeah. director's looked at a scene and said, this yeah. scene needs more gags. So they just record yeah, someone yeah. going, yeah, that's what your mother said. Or something yeah. like that, you know, yeah. off camera. Um, but it just, it's exactly the same problem with this film. It just reeks of getting to an editing suite and saying, this script's shit. These actors are shit. This yeah. is a boring shot and it's not funny. How can we make this better? Boing. Exactly. <laughs> um I will say, though, just as I was writing that thing about Nervous Elk being deeply unfunny and, and racist, yeah. uh, he came out with the line, as Cactus Jack's riding away, yeah. his number two says something to him, like, hey, are we working for the white man now, or something like that, and he just goes, yeah. piss on the white man. Yeah. I thought that was quite funny. <laughs> yeah, and again, it kind of, you want to do kind of like a air punch for the civil rights movement or whatever to say, yeah, well, of course. Well, but Again, maybe, maybe cut that, right? The guy who sets um, the guy who sets Cactus Jack on his mission at the beginning is Jack Elam. He's the guy with the boss eyes. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was in like the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Yeah, I mean, when I saw him, I was like, this. ah, that guy. Uh, 
sorry, not the good, the bad, the ugly. Once upon a time in the West, and and Strother Martin, who's also a, a, a stalwart of the great American westerns, good plays work. charming charming Jones's um, dad in the, in one of the opening scenes, and you've got these two legends of the West, and again. They're given nothing. You you have hit upon a point that was bugging me throughout. Basically, it was how much need was there for this film at, at this time? I know that cinema at one point became saturated with westerns, and not knowing much about westerns and how how long cinema was saturated by them for, I wanted to ask you uh, as I was watching it. I was thinking I should ask what need was there for for it was that you know was it timely to have a a parody were they completely stupid in the, well, in, the in the environment in the climate or whatever was going on it's not that westerns weren't still being made they were but this was definitely after the great westerns had ended i mean this is anything sort of post the wild bunch which is 1969 mm. is sort of after the the western genre had had, had its heyday but I think what this comes not that long after is Blazing Saddles. And it really wants to be Blazing Saddles. Interesting. Uh, and it isn't, yeah. basically. I think it's insulting to Tex Avery that this film compares itself to his cartoons. Right. Because it just makes it look even worse than it is. Right. If it had just been a wacky knockabout comedy, it would be bad. But the fact that it thinks it's a Wiley e. Coyote cartoon makes it egregious. Oh my god. They even they they went as far as playing. Uh, this is not right at the end of the movie. Yeah. They might as well have I I totally expected Bugs Bunny to come on at the end and do the yibbity yibbity yib that's all folks. Whatever it is. Yeah it is Porky Pig. Or Bugs Bunny with his carrot then, isn't it? Yeah. The one thing I actually genuinely enjoyed and it gave me some hope was the stuttering telegraph guy. Telegram guy. Yeah, that scene left me dead. But I understand oh, it's funny. Why was it funny for you? It wasn't that it was particularly funny. It's just that oh, right. he was great. Oh, okay. Yeah. He did a good stutter. Fine. It was it was no. like the little ticks though, like how he had to hit the bell to yeah. finish his sentence yeah, and yeah. give a little whistle and all of that. So I guess that's what I'm kind of saying on performance wise. It it were were it not for the clear ability that Kirk Douglas and Iron Margaret have as actors, it would have been even more terrible than it already was. It was already it was dead from the beginning, and I'm assuming there was a lot of ad libbing going on here. That's uh, yeah, it, looked, it did not seem like there was much adherence to the script. Well, I didn't get that feeling. Um, or much direction, excuse me. So perhaps the words are there. I think they had a lot of wiggle room to do it the uh, way they felt like doing it. I mean, if that's true, that might explain why Arnie is so inert. That he's <laughs> inert un- is the word. He's in- <laughs> uncomfortable with that, isn't yeah. he, I guess? yeah. I mean, his English is way, way better in this than it has been in the previous things we've seen. Yeah, of course. Yeah, forget about it. Um, but yeah, I, I can't imagine Arnie's much of an improviser. He Not needs, at this stage. Not at this stage. Script. No. There is a performer that we haven't mentioned, a very important element in the film. The Clyde the Orangutan of the film, if you will, Whiskey the Horse. <laughs> Did a fine yeah. job. Did yeah, a fine e- job, excellent. that horse. yeah. Yeah, yeah again, not not funny at all. No, no. but um, if I was a kid, that would yeah. be the, the the thing I would have got out of the film. Whiskey the horse. Two other points about one gag that worked, and one gag that I think was a missed opportunity. Okay. When when Kirk Doug, I don't know if you would have spotted this. When Kirk Douglas joins up with the Indian Braves, they yeah. give him uh, like a headdress and all that sort yeah. of stuff, and some war paint, yeah. and. Uh, Kirk Douglas has got that really pronounced butthole chin, yeah. and uh, they turned it into a little red target. I there was that. like red wall paint, and I th- I, when I spotted it, I was like, "Fair play to Kirk Douglas for letting him do that. That is quite funny." Yeah, drawing attention to his his chin. Yeah, his However, chin's clearly a part of you know his character, his appeal, his appeal. Yeah. There was uh, on their last night together before they get to their destination. Charming Jones and Handsome Stranger are lying by a 
uh, fire again and it's sort of her last chance to try and seduce him and Arnie says something about hey I could tell you some knack knack jokes <laughs> and she flips the script on him and says I think I'll go and get some firewood which has been his thing every time she tries to seduce him yeah I actually sighed at that point because the film was so devoid of comedy by then I would have quite happily listened to 10 minutes I was going to say the same thing of Arnold just reeling off not that would be amazing that would that would have that would have fixed the movie and I think in fairness to movie fans I think it would have fixed the movie for us because we're we're doing this we're watching films like this and trudging through some of Arnie's worse uh, career moves you can't um, take the rough with the smooth. Exactly, exactly. But we're doing that um, because we're, we're doing this podcast. So to somehow find some kind of diamond in the rough, like 10 minutes of Arnie telling knock-knock jokes be amazing. In, the mid, in the middle of a movie, it would be amazing. I mean, this is how I would have done it, right? She doesn't want to hear them. So she's just sat there like, oh, doing that eye-rolling thing you were talking about. Yeah. Probably just gradually letting her slip come down a little bit so she's showing more yeah. and more boob yeah. to try and distract him. And uh, he's just telling them, like, with awful timing, just like, knock, knock, who's there? Doctor, <laughs> Doctor Who, next one, knock, knock. <laughs> like, just that I, for 10 minutes. Well, <laughs> that, that could work again. But, but, I would have been on the floor by minute three. But his, his sort of dryness throughout the film, I wasn't quite buying it, right? So he's, Arnie's character in this film, just in case we haven't made it explicit, his name's Handsome Stranger. Yeah. Mm. And his whole thing is that he's basically like a Superman type character. He's he's always trying to do good. And but getting it wrong. Always getting it wrong. Like he helps a woman cross the street because he thinks she's an old woman. She has to cross the street. She's not yeah. that old. Probably she's not. in her, in, in her late 30s. Yeah. <laughs> Early 40. And um, she's clearly struggling. And he's like, no, it's okay. I'll help you cross. It's dangerous. And he's, he's pushing her, basically, pulling her across the street. They get to the other side and she reveals the thing that's fairly obvious. That she, she never she wanted... Didn't. Yeah, she never yeah. wanted to cross the street in the first place. And Arnie just is oblivious to it. Uh, he tells a story at one point. He, he managed to capture um, some... Uh, what do you call it? Rampaging horses or wild horses? Yeah, yeah. Um, storming down a, a main street and there's like three yeah. horses and he chases after them and he yeah. stops the horses. But yeah. the reveal is... That it's a fire engine or fire department, whatever, a group of firemen dragging a, a carriage full of water to a burning... Well, brothel, brothel. actually. Yeah. Um, With a picture of Burt Reynolds' face on the side, by the way. Interesting. I did miss that. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, Arnie's a do-gooder in this film who never does good, really. Although his heart's in the right place and he's well-intentioned. And there's an irony there. Is that all? actually all that Charming Jones really wanted from him was to do her <laughs> and to do her good. And she, the person who can give that to her, yeah, everything she wants, is the villain. It's Kirk Douglas. I am reading way too much into this film. It was probably not intended, but it's You're there in the story. But that's the story. The final insult, yeah. right? When we get to the end, we have this Benny Hill montage yeah. of of Kirk Douglas in fast motion, going from building to building, transporting these gunpowder barrels, underpinned right? by the Warner Brothers music, whatever yeah. that is, the Looney Tunes music. Then we've already established that dynamite can blow the side off a bank, right? <laughs> at the beginning of the film, mm-hmm. but six barrels of gunpowder exploding creates a really lame explosion. So that was annoying. I wanted that whole building to just go whoomph in the air. That would have at least been something. Especially when this is directed by a stunt guy, right? Yeah. And then, the whole purpose of the journey, like, is completely undone by her saying, oh, all right, villain Cactus Jack, I'll go with you. You you did not say this in your plot, neither did I in mine. But the reason for Charming Jones's journey is... She lives out in the middle of nowhere with her father. Her father's giving her some silver because he needs to change it into money. She take, gets on a train, takes it to the bank. Parody Jones, as Charming Jones's father, had made an arrangement, sent a telegram to Arnie, who was at the town, a handsome stranger, to escort her with the money back. Yeah. Which makes no sense at all. Just 
pointing this out. She went safely on the train with a bag full of silver to go and get money from the bank. Why she could not take the train back is anybody's guess. But she gets he gets Arnie to escort her back, and that's why that's where the villain has the opportunity to steal the money. And rape her. And and well, <laughs> rape is not really on the cards here. I don't think he was concerned about consent. That's why I'm saying rape. No, yeah, maybe. But I don't think she's terribly concerned about consent either. She, in her own words, she wanted somebody to ravish her. Yeah, which is why she goes with Kirk Douglas at the end. Yeah, Exactly, and that's what he can give her. He can provide her that. But I also got the impression that, it, although you're saying the ending makes no sense, it does make some sense. She clearly mm. does not care about her father's money, nor okay, about sh- getting it back. She I wants to run off makes- with some handsome stranger. That's what she wants. I, I shouldn't have said it makes no sense. What I should have said was... It completely undoes the purpose of there being a journey in the first place. Or, Maybe I'm not getting it. Maybe. It, or, it just feels like the, the very, very thin sliver of motivation yeah. that any of these characters yeah. had yeah. is completely erased. Because she could have just gone with Kirk Douglas when he tried to hold them up at the beginning. I thought that each, each hold-up attempt, they never even noticed his presence. The, when he was reverend, when he was the reverend That's slave. the only time, you're right, when he pretends to be a reverend. And it's at that point I, I had some sliver of hope that there might be that the movie might get a bit more sophisticated because that was quite clever. But nope, they go straight back to let's tie a rope somehow to something and drag Kirk Douglas along. And they, they and do that one twice. They do that a few times, and I have to give Douglas credit for that because he did obviously do it himself. You are watching Kirk Douglas. I'm not saying Some that the, shots. The, yeah, not yeah, the whole stunt. I'm not, yeah. No, I'm not saying that there weren't stuntmen involved, but there are shots of Kirk Douglas mm. moving with his head very close to the ground. Uh, he was genuinely strapped on the front of that train. Yeah, you can That's see him. Also... You can see him holding. It's clearly him. He genuinely um, snuggled up to a pig, uh, yeah. a, dressed up in a bow that yeah. seemed really freaked out by it. What is the implication there? Is that he, he was so drunk... He slept with a pig. Why Not is necessarily that, had sex. But why but... is that funny? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm sure I could point to episodes of Father Ted where they talk about having sex with animals that you would be in hysterics about. Yeah, because Father Ted's genius. And Cactus <laughs> Jack isn't. I, I know that you feel that way about Father Ted. I did think at the beginning of the <laughs> film... Uh, it was when he went to the telegram office, yeah. uh, Arnold. The film would be, again, infinitely more watchable if he had his Sergeant Candy voice. <laughs> I was just going to say that. Dubbed, yeah. If you um, dubbed for, it. it for be... those that are not in the know or are not aware yeah. of it, on the Terminator 3 DVD, there's a, an extra scene that was cut from the film that explains how the Terminator got Arnie's voice. And No, Arnie's body. And his voice. Hang on. Oh right. Okay. So the. Oh yeah, you're right. Of course. The physique of the the T800 uh, was built on this character called Sergeant Candy, who's Arnold in a military uniform with a hat, and it talks like this. Is it a beret? Yeah. Ha! I'm Sergeant Candy. <laughs> um, and the 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 button of the scene is basically um, we need to do something about the voice and this yeah. other character, and the scene goes. We can fix it, and he's got Arnold's actual accent. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that that's that was just a thought I had. In terms of the principal cast, you're going to give Kirk Douglas the the lion's share of the credit, are you, for his commitment to the role? I mean, yeah. So you're saying I'll give Kirk Douglas the lion's share of the credit. You're, that's your guess. Um, again, well, I think in terms of doing the best they can with what they had. I, I, and I give Kirk Douglas and Anne Margaret and her cleavage equal share in, in doing the best they can with what they had. Everybody else just, it shows them up for the quality of actor that they are. Um, and no offense, obviously to Arnie, but he's early in his career. He needs direction. He's not done many movies yet. And the character's completely antipathetic to his natural sensibilities. So hard, hard to play. I think he does the best he can. But it's really difficult with this film. It's all round bad. And as um, you said, on the goddamn bad scale, it's, it's an eight, eight, out, it's of an eight, eight out of ten. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna flip that on you because yeah. while I respect Kirk Douglas's commitment to the part, I think he would have done himself a lot more favours if he'd said, you know what, I don't need to eat this month, so I'm not gonna do this movie. <laughs> um, and there were moments. I, I, I stick by what I said about Arnold in that he didn't he doesn't embarrass himself. He doesn't let okay. himself down okay. in the way that he does in some of his later comedy projects. Yeah. Um, and there was even a point where he looked so out of his depth that on his face I saw the pain of a man who really did not want to be there. Gone. I think he knew he was in a stinker and he wanted out. And for that reason, I'm going to give him the credit. I now, think that that paint look was probably there in most of Arnie's scenes in some way. Yeah, okay. You know, um, he's not... He's not a stupid man. I don't. I don't think he's stupid. And having seen him, at least in his movies up till now, he shows some savvy about his career choices. At least about what he's doing, whether they're good or bad, or whether he's going to enjoy it, or whether he, I don't. That I don't know. I think he's just trying to get a break in film at the moment. I think that's where he is in his career. I mean, yeah. So when we're placing it in the pantheon of his films, I think you can say it's the only western that he's ever done to date yeah now correct me if i'm wrong yeah is this the first appearance of the cowboy hat i was thinking that when i the in the very first shot you see arnie dolled up as a cowboy and i mean dolled up he is wearing one of the campest cowboy outfits i've ever seen in my life yeah it's like pale blue tight it's it's, it's very 70s yeah it's yeah 70s. it's not it, no cowboy would have ever worn that doubtful i imagine they would have been shot but he's rocking the hat and with the reason why we we're making a fair for those of you that don't know the reason why we're making a thing about arnie wearing a cowboy hat is that it's a recurring theme it seems to be something that arnie tries to work into his films or it just seems to be often that he has a desire to wear cowboy hats and and we have a theory our theory is that Arnie grew up, growing up in Austria, probably watching westerns, wanting to be an American cowboy, as the, as some as a desire, and that's that makes sense. So he probably took the first western role he could probably take, and a chance to work with Kirk Douglas. You don't turn that you down. don't turn that down, and that's probably what he was told by his agent. You know, you, you're doing this film. Favorite lines? Did you come away with any favorite lines? No. Again, I'm thin on the favorite lines. I've got the favourite moments that I've already discussed. My favourite line. Nope. I did not. No favourite I mean, line. P- piss on the white man is probably the best line in the movie. Yeah. I liked um, Kirk Douglas calling Whiskey the Horse a traitor when he was in his uh, jail cell. I thought that was quite funny. Um, but in terms of Arnold himself, the only bit really was when he goes. he first goes to the telegram office and he just goes, Hello. I'm a handsome stranger. And the guy goes, okay, thanks, or something like that. Yeah. And um, Arnie just goes, well, that's my name. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty good. It's really good. Um, no, no, I'll be back. No, I'll be back yet. And that would have been a great way to end the film. Like, if he just stomped off while uh, Kirk Douglas was doing all these backflips around the ranch. Um, if it would he just... have been amazing. Turned and barreled the camera and just gone. I'll be back, Charming Jones. Yeah, and then, that and would then have been amazing. But, but it would have not... set up a sequel that we never would have got. Cactus Jack Two, the Cactusing. Right. So we've talked about the principal <coughs> cast anyway. But um, if you were going to recast it, I mean, I think it's obvious. Well, obviously, you'd take Anne Margaret out and put Dolly Parton in. I think we know that. Why? Why would I do that? Because you had in your mind anyway. That it was I can, I can totally understand why. Has because Arnie she's even ever been in a film with Dolly Parton? I don't think so. No. You, you can understand why because... Because Anne-Margaret has the big bouffant hair and is drawing your eyes to her chest. Yeah. And if there's two things we can say about Dolly Parton, big bouffant hair, hair and big jokes. Yeah. yeah. Um, that might be why, because I saw this when I was a teenager, the hair and oh, the boobs... Yeah, I think that's probably okay. it. And okay. Anne Margaret isn't isn't that famous over here. I think over here no. she's probably only recognisable for having a passing mention in Full Metal Jacket and um 
she was in the the Grumpy Old Men movies much later in her career. Her right. and Raquel Welsh. Okay. Uh, but in America, she was almost a contemporary of Goldie Hawn, a kind of a pinup, you know, fun time hot girl right. that would that would appear in in lots of TV and comedy and things like that. I see. In terms of recasting, I would take Kirk Douglas out of it. Just give him some money to not be in it. Say, eat bologna for a couple of weeks. To save your memory yourself. of him. Is that to save... Just to preserve him, yeah, as, as sort of perfect. Um, I don't see any reason why Burt Reynolds couldn't have played Cactus Jack. He'd already done a bunch oh, of movies with Hal Needham. That would have been excellent. There you go. Yeah, because Burt Reynolds just has that face. Like, I know I'm not taking any of this seriously. When he delivers the lines, it's just like, <laughs> he's got that... I can't do it. What would you call that face? Smuggy, smirky, sexy. There you go. Smuggy, smirky, sexy. Which, interestingly, Nicolas Cage tries to do and doesn't quite pull off in the same way when he's doing serious films. Interesting that you mentioned Nicolas Cage because we talked earlier about how it's hard to pull off live-action Tex Avery-style cartoon in a film. And to rinse this out of my brain, I watched... I mean, it's a bit unfair because it, it's arguably my favourite film of all time. Okay, but it yeah. is a film that um, that uses that Tex Avery style physical humour and things that couldn't possibly happen to a person and not kill them. And I watched Raising Arizona yeah. uh, today, actually. Um, and that works brilliantly because you do care about the characters. You, there is a story. But any time they want to get wacky, they get wacky. But it doesn't feel... Wacky. It's, I know what you mean. Yeah. I mean, Raising Arizona is a great movie. <clears throat> Nervous Elk in uh, Cactus Jack. If you're going to cast a white guy in that role, I thought Leonard Rossiter would have done a better job. The guy looked kind of like him anyway. Tell Leonard Rossiter, Leonard Rossiter played um, Reggie Perrin on TV. The, the Rise and Fall and The Fall and Rise. I don't know. But he's brilliant and he at least might have brought something amusing to that otherwise horrible part um, maybe maybe just maybe at that time people were already starting to feel like they didn't want to i think yeah parody I think alien, uh, indians and, and as much as this is is a, a film of its time and and you couldn't make a film in this way anymore no i still think that was racially insensitive even at that time for most yeah. audiences yeah, it's got to be. They address it, I think, with good humour in uh, Master of None in the episode uh, Indians. Yeah. And until I saw that, where they're talking about, I don't remember the guy's name, the actor who plays the scientist who invents Johnny Five in Short oh, Circuit. Oh, yeah, Fish, Fisher Stevens. Fisher yeah. Stevens, yeah. He's great. He's a great actor, yeah? no, Nothing to say about him. But I watched that and I had, I had no idea... That it was Fisher Stevens, and that's the whole thing in Master that's of None is that thing. no one knows it. Even the Indian guys didn't Even know it. Even the Indian guys think that Fisher Stevens was Indian. They didn't know it's that guy. It's they don't know it's Fisher Stevens. So good for him, you know. Ben Kingsley and Gandhi, for example. Now I don't think that that's. I wouldn't say it's racist, but it's difficult. Yeah, it's hard. It's annoying for people who are clearly of the descent that's being shown and portrayed, who want to act, who are good actors, who have the ability to do it, not being given those parts over... So white guys being given those parts over those guys. And that's why it, it feels racist. I don't think anybody would particularly complain about a black guy playing a white guy from history, for example. I think a lot of people would complain. Can you imagine Martin Lawrence <laughs> being cast as George Washington? I was going to say George Bush, so that's interesting. Not George Washington Carver. Um, sure. Um, I mean, I can, and I don't think I would call it racist, but you, it would have to be in a comedic way. We're so far off point here. Let's just get to ranking. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, we've only got a few films under our belt. At the moment, we both have the same ranking, and that is... Number three, Hercules in New York. Number two, Stay Hungry. And number one, Pumping Iron. That's where, what we have. Yeah. Where does Cactus Jack fit for you? It's tough. I've been thinking about it all day. Do you want me to go first anyway? Well, I don't... See, I don't want to... 
because I, I want our lists to somehow deviate and I don't want to try and okay, so you uh, already influence know. You, you already in any know. Dead last. Dead last for me. I am never going to watch Cactus Jack again That's and that is a promise that I'm making to myself. I would watch Hercules in New York twice today if it meant I didn't have to watch Cactus Jack ever again. For me, there's, there's so much to weigh up. Hercules in New York, as we must have said, is incredibly painful. It takes itself way too seriously for what it is. Cactus Jack doesn't. You're putting it a third, aren't you? I think I have to. I think okay. I, I find Hercules in New York way too painful to watch. So We have the deviation. This is far easier. Yeah, there is definitely a deviation. This is far easier to watch for me. I could, I could put this on not care that it's on but Hercules in New York is going to hurt me I think if I put it on again well there you have it we nearly have a top five going um, we will obviously <laughs> yeah. get get to that point next time when we watch stay hungry every week you say stay hungry I don't know why you said it last time we've watched it it's scavenger hunt scavenger hunt scavenger hunt which is also 1979 1980 it's not entirely clear and I can't be bothered to research it. So, well, I haven't seen Scavenger Hunt. Uh, from my understanding, it's one of those it's a mad, 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 mad world sort of films where lots of people are all competing to get yeah. something or go somewhere. Yeah. Um, your memory of it any good? No, but I don't tend to like those kinds of movies. So, good. I, ne- I never really liked Cannibal Run, or and like, I know I'll be criticised for that. It's fair enough. I don't care. Something to look forward to there, then. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Um, so until next time, I guess that's it. Wrong. No sequel for you. Bye bye. Bye. If you've been moved by any of the issues raised in this week's show, or you'd like to offer us some abusive comments of your own, or maybe even a list of your favourite Arnold Schwarzenegger films, you can email us at thearnithology at gmail.com. Or, if you're Facebook, you can go to Facebook forward slash The Arnithology. Didn't see that coming. If you're a Twitterer, find us on Twitter, at The Arnithology. Or you can visit our website, www.arnithology.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>